3: And is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve oh. Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown. Oh. Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel still on his feet inside the five. Touchdown. What a play. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. All right, Panthers fans, welcome back to another edition of the Roar Podcast on Blue Wire, episode 60. Can't believe we've done that many already, but here we are, still standing in the middle of February with so much going on in this league john ellis is my name billy marshall's my co-host we'll hear from him in a moment we're gonna have a good one tonight folks a great discussion with one of the best nfl writers in the business Stephen ruiz he writes for for the win that's a usa today publication by the way you can find him at the Stephen ruiz on twitter he's a great follow get on that right now and he's on vacation by the way i didn't realize that when we booked him he didn't tell me this but uh Steven, thank you on your vacation week for taking a little time and talk some panthers with us how you doing
2: buddy? love ruining the rest of my week by thinking about the panthers <laughs> yes
3: yes <laughs> always always uh always an upper for me well, welcome to the club <laughs> thank you for coming back to your roots steve and we appreciate you being a part of the panthers discourse it's as ugly as ever hopefully you can bring some uh, levity and sanity both to the discussion the super bowl i mean we could just start there obviously we'll get to the panther's in a minute. There were some things in that game that fascinated me. Todd Bolt's defense, some of the things they did schematically, the offensive line, and of course, Tom Brady. What can you say? Another Super Bowl ring at 43 years old. Your general thoughts on that uh, Super Bowl, Stephen, what did you think?
2: Uh, I I think it speaks to the importance of having a good pass rush. I know we've talked about this in like the analytical world, pass rush versus coverage, and I think we saw the Bucks be able to rely on their defensive line and that allowed them to do not more in the secondary, but it allowed them to drop more guys in there and have more resources to stop a dangerous downfield passing attack. Whereas that's not necessarily the Bucks MO. Usually it's usually blitzing and keeping fewer guys back and not really playing a lot of complex coverages. They don't, they do a lot of spot dropping like a lot more than your average NFL defense. And this was different. You know, it's
1: interesting because looking at how they're built, the Bucks definitely invest a lot of money um, or at least draft resources. They invest a lot into their secondary, yeah. uh, but I'm looking at their defensive line and it's kind of fascinating to see that they, it's mainly like pro guys that they're acquiring. Like JPP came from New York. Um, Sue, they signed as a free agent. Uh, same with Shaq Barrett. Um, and Vita Vea I think is probably the only guy they've drafted on that line. I know they made a trade for McClendon, Um is that something that you think like their philosophy of just drafting guys like consistently in the secondary is something that um, team should kind of replicate because even when it wasn't working, like it didn't work with Vernon Hargraves, they consistently stay with their philosophy. And I mean, their secondary is pretty good too.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any like one right way to build a team, but I think it's easier to, find veteran pass rushers than it is to find veteran defensive backs who are really good. The teams usually don't let those guys go. Like the the big name guys, we've seen some get traded in recent years, but usually teams are going to keep those guys. But like a above average pass rusher like Shaq Barrett was even when he was in Denver, those guys get to free agency all the time. And I think you can buy sacks very easily. Whereas it's harder to buy those coverage guys. So maybe it makes more sense to invest more draft capital just because it, it, I think you, it is a little more hit or miss. So just keep throwing darts at the dartboard. Yeah. You and I definitely, we had that conversation last off season
1: uh, with respect to Yannick Ngakwe. I think mm-hmm. that was convo.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a, a big thing for me last off season was thinking about like, how much do you pay for not an elite edge rusher, but a guy that's good. And I think that's Ngakwe. He's not an elite guy, but He's very good at a couple things and I don't think he changes the defense and that's why I wouldn't pay those guys. He's kind of in like that no man's land. And I think there's this spot for a lot of positions where they're good players, but if they get to free agency, they're almost too good where you can't sign them because in order to sign them, you're going to have to give them a lot of money. And one of the guys that like stands out like that for me this year is Justin Simmons. Like I was just watching him the other day. Watched a couple games, and I think he's like a seven and a half, eight type of player. He's going to give you consistent performances every week, but if you have to pay him seventeen million a year, I, I don't know about
3: that. All right, Stephen, help me understand something here, if you can, about the Carolina Panthers' this quarterback situation, which has been a hellscape in terms of uh, not only the narratives but just the play on the field over the past two years, two and a half years, really. If you want to go back. It was supposed to be a slow build here. Bridgewater gets a two-year deal, gets to rejuvenate his career. They maybe draft a guy, bring him along. And now all of a sudden we're going to get Matt Stafford and we're going to package Bridgewater there and we're not assuring him of a, a spot next year. They went from all in on Teddy to, oh, dude, come on now. we got to get you out. What do you think the Panthers are up to right now? What is their plan?
2: I mean, I, I don't know. I'm confused. Like. I I don't – I'm at the same spot I am last year after they signed Teddy Bridgewater where I'm like, what is the timeline? And the, the report of them trying to trade for Stafford, although he's obviously an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, it's just like why? Like what? what do you think Matt Stafford turns you into? And where do you think you guys are right now? I don't think it's enough. And like even the Teddy Bridgewater signing – I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't disappointed by what Teddy Bridgewater gave the Panthers in 2020. That was exactly what I I expected him to give them.
3: No, I mean, I wasn't totally surprised other than the length of the contract. I thought it was a little much, but in terms of what was on tape, I nothing about what I saw surprised me at all coming into the season right. versus what we saw on the field.
2: Yeah. And that's like, they're an NFL team. They watch film like, <laughs> like we do. They're, probably more qualified to do it and I just don't understand how you watch Teddy Bridgewater and expect something different and like any hope that the front office had learned its lesson last offseason like that just went down the drain for me when I heard this report like
3: why do you think Carolina was surprised by his production uh, you have to believe they
2: expected more just based on the deal. I know it wasn't like, it wasn't like your typical starter money. It was kind of like that middle-class contract that really doesn't exist for quarterbacks, but there was a decent chunk of guarantees. And I mean, They surrounded him with weapons more than they ever surrounded Cam Newton with weapons, so they dedicated something to him, and uh, I still don't know why a year later, and I'm even more confused now.
3: No, and the thing is, it's nothing personal against Teddy when we do analysis here. Good, bad, and different. If the tape is good, we praise the throw. If the tape is bad, we're not going to mince any words. It just so happens it wasn't that great this year so with that said they still need to find a quarterback of the future obviously there's a lot of talk out there about Deshaun watson don't know when that gets resolved but hopefully that's somebody carolina can tap into if it comes to that other names out there carson Wentz, no thank you sam darnold mm, not really interested russell wilson i don't think that's happening and then the draft you got some fascinating names in that top 10 but eight is a weird spot to be in Steven Ruiz, if you're running the Panthers, how would you handle the quarterback situation moving forward?
2: I think they should just do whatever it takes to either get Deshaun Watson or get one of these top quarterbacks. The type of guy they're not going to get at number eight. Unless they start like asking around and they get some feelers and they like realize that maybe Justin Fields will slip to them at eight. I, I don't think I would be totally surprised if that happened, although it's probably not going to happen then maybe you could stay there. But otherwise, like, go get your quarterback, whoever that is. And I think it should be Deshaun Watson because he's the only one available that I know for a fact will be an elite top-level quarterback, the kind of guy that can carry a franchise to a Super
3: Bowl. Right. And just to quickly follow up on that, there's a lot of elements to look at with a potential trade. For instance, if Carolina decided to move up to two or three, what would that compensation package look like versus the one presumably for Watson if that trade does end up materializing? Is there a substantial enough gap in between compensation to where you can just say, ah, oh, I don't want to go down that road with the Houston? Or is it close enough in your mind that you're saying, hey, I don't know if these guys are a sure thing in the draft other than Trevor Lawrence, but I know that at 25 years old, Deshaun Watson could not be my quarterback of the future starting today without question. So to me, whether it's compensation that is an extra first, uh, an extra player here or there, I think I'd lean Watson on this just because, you know, at 25, you're getting a young guy who is a sure thing. It's also like, look back at the Chiefs recent drafts
2: and how, or not even just drafts, just moves. And you see, like the Frank Clark deal was bad. Subsequent contract extension was even worse. They drafted a running back last year (laughs) in the first round. They used it. They used their second round pick on a linebacker who, who didn't play like it didn't matter because they have Patrick Mahomes. Nothing matters when you have that kind of guy. And Deshaun Watson is that kind of guy where you could give away your next three first round picks. It won't matter. You're going to be good, especially with the weapons the Panthers already have if the defense can just like maybe get lucky one year and be average, then they're super bowl contenders with Sean Watson. I think he's the second best quarterback in the league. And I really don't think the gap between him and Mahomes is that pronounced.
1: I I totally agree with you. I thought he had a really great season um, last year, despite their record, which is crazy. Um, I've never
3: seen anything like it, like a, guy like Watson having that specialist season with their team finishing 4-12 and it, it's I mean Watson had 16 touchdowns zero turnovers in the red zone last year where Carolina was terrible by the way it's just amazing what Watson has done
1: yeah no he was fantastic you, you know it's interesting because we had this discussion I think last week if you're Houston why wouldn't you just keep him let him sit out tank this season and then trade him next off season that way you have a high pick in 2022 and then you probably get another high or another first or multiple firsts for deshaun watson after that um so i'm just kind of looking at it from houston's side i don't think that they're going to easily just budge um obviously he's going to be very um persistent and i don't blame him at all um but if you're houston like how would
2: you handle this if I'm Houston, I'm, <laughs> if I'm the owner, I'm selling the team and and maybe that will make it up to him. I don't think Deshaun Watts, I like, I think he's stubborn enough where he's not going to play. And, and like what we've seen in the past couple of years, when these guys want out, and I know we haven't seen a franchise quarterback pull this and Carson Palmer had to like sit out and wait. I think he sat out a season and then he finally got traded by the uh, Bengals. I like the guys now they can force their way out and if you're the texans i don't think you can afford to wait a year and tank it like your fan base is openly rebelling against you you need to give them some hope like i think if you trade him and somehow end up with the second pick and you draft a guy like zach wilson or justin fields at least you could say like hey fans you have this to look forward to like it's not deshaun watson i know you grew attached to him but here's another shiny new quarterback that you can grow Attached to and if it's one of those top guys, I think that's an easier sell. I mean, who's showing up to the games next year if if Watson uh, sits out and they don't do they don't move him and they don't have anything to show for
3: it. Uh, you know, pandemic, we have no idea, but yeah, I mean, well, it, it if, might be a the pandemic, get, so no one might, no, no one might are
2: going to, the yeah, they case, still might have I the mean, capacity to
3: reject release. out vomiting cardboard <laughs> cutouts. No, I mean, it'll be fascinating. They, they've got to put asses in seats when they get back after it. And, and they're just going about this all wrong. I, I totally don't understand with Easterby uh, having that much power with Cal McNair, but anyway, that's their problem. As far as the Panthers go, it's uh year two for Matt Rule. I had some questions about that staff early on. I think they've answered the bell in terms of how prepared they look they got their guys to play hard uh joe brady is a fascinating guy i don't know how long he'll be here and then phil snow i thought did pretty good work down the stretch here getting this defense competitive what were your thoughts on matt rule in year one and how do you see them trending as a staff moving forward
2: I mean, you always have question marks with a coach that has never done it before, like never been a head coach at the NFL level, you don't know what to expect. And I think it's always hard to judge these hires in the moment. And even a year on, I think it's still hard. Like going into last year, I don't think we knew what Cliff Kingsbury was, and he was kind of in the same situation coming from college. So, it's kind of hard to pass judgment on. I, was, I wasn't excited about the hire either. But, you know, when they started naming the assistants, like I, w- I was intrigued by Brady, obviously. And, like you said, Phil Snow did some interesting things. I think, like, after one year, they've, you know, checked off the boxes. Like, they're not a total disaster. It could have looked a lot worse. And I don't think it did. So, they're on the right track, I guess. So, I,
1: the, the next question is like, you obviously, well how, do, well, how do you feel about these quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence in this draft?
2: uh or have you zach had enough wilson, to scout them i've watched zach wilson i've watched probably three four games maybe i think the last game i watched was the houston game and i don't know about you guys i don't know how you feel about zach wilson but i'm not really on the hype train yet i don't know maybe if i watch more i will get on it my view of justin or yet yeah, fields is based on 2019 i haven't really watched a lot of 2020 i watched probably two games but like i saw enough in 2019 i know he's good i i think for him it really comes down to where he lands he's not like the type of prospect who's going to be good no matter where he goes like a Deshaun watson for instance but i think if he lands with the right coaching staff then he'll be a good pro zach wilson is just like it's so hard to evaluate his tape because it's like he's playing seven on seven out there he's got these huge pockets and you watch that Houston game. I think they got to him a little more. They bothered him and he had some panic throws that I didn't really like. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being a good quarterback, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being just a non-factor at the pro level.
1: Yeah, no, he's, I think you got to go back to 2019. Um, he faced, I think every team they played was power five. I think it was Utah, Tennessee, then USC, um, and then a couple other Pac-12 teams. So uh, the the 2019 season obviously wasn't as good. He was dealing with an injury too, but um, I, I think that season's probably a better barometer of how to kind of view his potential in the league. I'm kind of with you. I don't think he's like this surefire top five guy, uh, but I, I do think there are some things that he does that not a lot of quarterbacks can do. Uh, I think the arm strength is... Um, pretty good it's not great and the guy he reminds mm-hmm. me of and people might take this the wrong way I hope they don't because uh, you know 2014 was not that long ago uh, he kind of reminds <laughs> me of Johnny Mansell I knew where you were going and and I, I, was gonna, think, I was gonna yeah, man, man, well, I thought Mansell was a good prospect his issue was obviously everything he did off the field you yeah. flying to Vegas during, you know the night before a game um, but yeah that's sort of how I kind of view him now <laughs>
2: Yeah. Like I was one of the comps I was going to drop and I was, I was too much of a coward to tweet. It was, I was going to call him uh, Johnny Manziel. If every other power five team insisted he played safety like Mac Brown. Cause that, <laughs> that's kind of what, that's kind of what he turned out to be. I think if we saw him in a, a power five conference weekend and week out, he, we would see a lot more warts. And like, that's a big thing is his arm strength. I've heard a, a lot about that. I I don't think he has a special arm. Like I, I I've seen like the long throws on the run, but I think it's a situation where he can make throws on the run and that just makes people assume that he has a strong
3: arm. I think he has a good arm. All right, your thoughts on Mac Jones here? I, obviously, I've got my own. I, I've been nailed on Twitter by some people I'm sure that love Alabama, <laughs> that have a little bit of a bias here. Uh, I'm not sure if the senior bowl was quite enough to put him in a category where i've heard uh some have made him a top 10 pick now uh there's one guy (laughs) well no there's there's more than one of them there's (laughs) one guy
2: who really likes drew lock who also thinks that mac jones is better than justin fields so uh yeah he has a following in denver too he doesn't he doesn't like me but because my drew lock takes but anyway mac jones yeah i i don't see it like i can't envision him becoming a good nfl quarterback no matter how like I stretch my imagination, I just can't see it. And that offense is so fake.
3: Well, I mean, you know, just to interrupt here, I brought up Garoppolo to Billy last week. We were talking about Mac Jones a pretty good bit uh, with all the hype from, from the senior bowl. And I just didn't see a guy that could elevate. I, I see very much a Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of, hey, get him around a good system that can scheme you up put a good running game with him, get some weapons, have a good defense, good complementary football. But I don't think he has the transcendent talent in terms of how to structure, which you need in the NFL these days to thrive, to warrant this talk about him being a top 10, 15 pick.
2: And honestly, I think that's an insult to Garoppolo just because of how like pretty a thrower Garoppolo is. I know like Mac Jones is, is fine in that regard, and I, I don't think his arm is like bad. But I think Jimmy is like the ultimate... Like it's, 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 it makes sense that he's so handsome. It's like, he's like a, like a dumb guy and Kyle Shanahan is kind of just pulling strings in his brain. And he's got like this perfect like avatar for himself, but I don't even see that with Mac Jones. I, I don't know what he turns out to be. I don't, I, I, I could not imagine investing a first round pick and trying to sell to your fan base that this guy is the future. Cause I think you'll be drafting another quarterback in the first round the next year.
1: No, I, I agree. And it's, it's been very interesting to see the kind of the discourse around him. I mean, um. Yeah, for me, I mean, best case scenario, he's like Kirk Cousins. Oh, no, like, Billy, he's
3: the next Tom Brady, didn't you hear? <laughs> yeah, that's – yeah.
1: <laughs> Damn. Him. Um, <laughs> Just... But even then, like I guess the best case scenario is that he ends up like a Kirk Cousins and do you really want to take Kirk right. Cousins in – I mean, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but I mean, again, you put Kirk Cousins in, you know, an offense that kind of isn't really – um, you know, helping him, then I think his flaws get a little exposed. I mean, again, Vikings Twitter, I like, love you guys. Kirk Cousins is fine, but that's just kind of getting to my point about investing a in top ten pick, right. like, that type of player.
2: Um, I guess and the and the second contract money. That, that's that's kind of how I divide the good quarterbacks and the in like the the great quarterbacks from the good quarterbacks is like there's the good quarterbacks who are really good if you have them on a rookie deal, but when you have to pay them that second contract, yeah, totally. Damn. They're not an asset anymore. And there's know, it's, those, it, the it, other guys. And it Relating to
1: Minnesota and San Francisco, it's like, well, San Francisco, they can get out of Garoppolo's contract pretty easily, but for Minnesota, I mean, they're, they're in a pretty <laughs> bad place cap wise because they gave cousins all that money and their team is pretty flawed, especially defensively. Um, and, and again, this isn't just isolated to them. It's other teams as well. They've had issues um, building ro- like a complete roster around limited quarterbacks, I guess. Um, And I I guess my my other question is for you, like, uh, I mean, this off season is going to be pretty key. Like, what are you looking for from this team? Are you just looking for like, um, you know, certain moves to be made, whether it's quarterback, re-signing Moton or re-signing Samuel or finding, you know, players on the defensive side of the ball. Are you just looking for them to kind of just be smart like I am?
2: Yeah. At this point, I'm just hoping for them to do smart things. Like it's been a while since we've been able to say that about this team. And, like, what I want at the end of next season, like, I want to know what the team is – or at least have an idea of what the team's going to look like in three years. I feel like there's no difference between last offseason and this offseason. Like, do we know where this team's going to be at in three years? I don't think the first year of Matt Rule really, you know, even hinted at a direction they're going in. Hopefully – by this time next year, we will have a clear view of what's ahead for the next couple years. And really, I think if you can do that, like you can establish a core of defensive players, hopefully you found a quarterback, and if not, then hopefully you're in position to find one next offseason. But that's all I really want to see. I just want to know where this team is going to be at in two or three years after this next season.
3: All right, let's look at the defense, Stephen. you've had a chance, I'm sure, to look at some tape uh, on Brian Burns, uh, among others. Jeremy Chen has been fairly exceptional, was a rookie of the year candidate at one point. Derek Brown's in the mix as well. But they have holes. They have a lot of youth. They don't have a lot of depth. Phil Snow is uh, sort of getting used to coaching at this level, I think. He's coming along. How do you see year two for Snow's defense? And what do they need to do to keep adding the right pieces moving forward?
2: One thing I'll say about Phil Snow's scheme is it seems to take the onus off cornerbacks, which you cannot say for a lot of defenses around the league where you need guys, because a lot of teams are playing cover one and they want to be able to play man or they're playing cover three and they're pressing their guys so that you want to be able to carry guys downfield. But I think this defense kind of takes the pressure off of them to have good corners. Like, and I think another example of this was the 49ers when Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator. Like, they had safeties that you never heard of that went to the Pro Bowl just because their job was a lot easier and their cornerbacks were, looked a lot better than they actually were.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: because of that i think that's the type of defense they're trying to build and like you get the studs up front who can control blockers who can kind of even numbers up when you have a numbers uh, disadvantage in the box and then you could add more guys to the secondary and play more complex coverages i think that's what they're going for and it makes sense with how the roster is built right now like obviously their potential is up front with burns with brown And I think that's the smarter way to build it. Like, look at what you have on your roster now and go from there. Because I really don't think there's a right way to build a defense like we people are going to throw out these theories like you should get a lot of coverage, guys. You You should build the lineup first. But I really think just cater to what you already have and that
3: will make your job a lot easier. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. All right, trigger alert for our listeners. This is going to piss off half of you and delight <laughs> the other half. It's a Cam Newton question because I know Stephen has been a big admirer of Cam's game over the years, uh, as have I. Let me ask you this though: He left Carolina on weird terms. Strange off season. Got COVID in the middle of the year. New system to a certain degree, and I don't think they did a great Thank job. You, and- scheming him up at times i thought they should have gone back to some of that rpo stuff he did so well in carolina but the lack of weapons no tight ends to throw to and a lot of guys opted out on defense i I thought overall stats notwithstanding he ran the ball well and wasn't as bad throwing the ball as many would have you believe do you feel he can come into next season and lead a team as a top 15 top 20 starter and and do you think he can get back to that form he was at maybe early 2018? Oh, yeah.
2: I definitely think he could be a, like a mid-tier starter at the very least. I think with like a ceiling of being a fringe top 10 guy in the right system, like if he has a lot around him, a lot of support, which he's never had during his career. But like when I watched the tape, it was just impossible to evaluate him really. And I think it being – a pandemic season made it even harder to evaluate him because you read some of the press conferences, the Patriots were talking about how they were kind of tweaking his mechanics. And like when you don't have time to practice, you can't practice that. Like it's going to look ugly at times in games. I, I like you said, I don't think his arm is cooked by any means. I still saw a lot of high level throws. And then there were some throws that were like ugly where he just threw it into the ground. Now I, I don't know if maybe he was doing that on purpose, just throwing the ball away, but it looked ugly. And I think that was really like just the mechanical just learning the new mechanics to be in that offense. And like you said, they didn't scheme them up well. And I don't think that's necessarily an indictment of Josh McDaniels. When you don't have players, you can't scheme up. you Can't really scheme things up. They didn't have a tight end. Like when you don't have a tight end that, that just hamstrings you so much. They didn't have receivers that could really win. So I, I don't know what they could have done last year better. I, I thought, like, I really thought it looked as
3: good as it could possibly look, given all of the circumstances. Yeah, well, look, I, I think the interceptions were in bunches. He had a couple of really tough games there around that stretch where COVID was an issue for him. Not to make excuses, because there were some throws, as you said, that were in the dirt, some head scratchers. But I think the foot was totally OK. And that was sort of the big drama last offseason. Can he still run? Hell, he ran as well as he ever has on tape, as far as I'm concerned, and still made some good throws. But can he do it moving forward? Maybe Washington would be a good fit. I don't know. That's Cam's deal moving forward. We'll have to monitor it. I'm fascinated by his career, though. I know you are as well. Last question here. Here's another guy who has been vocal about maybe wanting more say in his front office. That's being misinterpreted, I think. But Russell Wilson, is there any chance in your mind That Wilson actually demands a trade and leaves the Seattle Seahawks after what has been a great career there. No, not at all. I think he learned last year that
2: last offseason that he can influence the front office by talking in the media. And he saw that and now he's just taking it a step further. There's no way they're going to trade him. Like, what would if they traded him? Their fans would give up on that team. It's not going to happen. He's going to be a Seahawk for like the next decade. Uh, whether it's going to work, I don't know about that because you're seeing like leaks that the front office is mad about his approach. I don't think it's going to matter by the time the season rolls around. He's probably going to get some of what he wants. I don't think he's going to be able to call the shots like he's saying he wants to, but I think he will be able to influence them to maybe make a move add a weapon, fixed offensive line. Although I don't really think that's the problem. But I, th- I think he just realizes he has more power than he's been yielding,
3: wielding over the last couple of years. Yeah. He needs him a little step stool, and he needs to stop spinning into sacks. I,
2: I mean, yeah, that's been the case all his career. It's it's funny that people are just now starting to notice it, but it's been a thing.
3: No, no look, I've seen you and and some others on Twitter whom I respect talk about the sack being a quarterback stat, and I, I wanted to go back and look at Wilson's film on this, and sure as shit, Yeah, I mean, there's times where it's a clean pocket and he's spinning right into a mess. Uh, It's hard to understand. But, you know, he's had the better number against Carolina for years. He's an outstanding quarterback. And uh, I don't think he's going anywhere either. It's just silly season in the NFL. Steven Ruiz, this was fun, man. He is the lead NFL rider. For the For the Win publication. That's a USA Today outfit. Check him out at the Steven Ruiz on Twitter. He's a fun follow, man. We have a lot of laughs, talk football. Great guy to keep up with throughout this NFL process. Steven, thank you so much for making time, man. We appreciate you on your vacation nonetheless. And uh, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> now I can officially start. Yeah, thank you. thank you guys. Thanks. All right, Steven Ruiz on the Roar Podcast right here on Blue Wire.